This message is brought to you by Living Faith Church. You can find us on the web at livingbyfaith.com. Why don't you open your Bibles to Luke chapter 8. We've been talking the last few weeks about the significance and the importance of word. Um, And I want to carry on with that this morning. And I'm going to do a little bit of a review getting into things because it's really important because it creates a platform for where I want to go and what I want to speak about. Today is pragmatic day. It's practical stuff. Okay. Jim always shouts at me. He gives, sends me an email. There's, there's Jim. Stand up. All nine feet of you. Every week, Jim keeps you on my toes. He's like, tell me what I got to do. Just tell me what I got to do. Okay. Luke chapter, where are we going, Donna? Luke chapter 8, verse 11. Now, the parable is this. The seed is the word of God. Those by the wayside are those who hear, then the devil comes and takes away the word out of their hearts, lest they should believe and be saved. But the ones on the rock are those who, when they hear, receive the word with joy. I think it is. And, they, and these have no root, who believe for a while in, and in time of temptation fall away. Now the ones who fell among the thorns are those who, when they heard, go out and are choked with cares, riches, and pleasures of life, and bring no fruit to maturity. That's where we're going. But we're going to start off a little bit before we get there, because I have to have an introduction as to where we're going. The word is fundamental. If you're a born-again believer, the word becomes a, a foundation to our lives. The reason for that is because God works through the word. So we got to have the word. If you're looking for definition, if you're looking for direction, whatever it is that you're wanting to happen in your life, you're going to find it in the word. The word becomes so fundamental to everything that, that defines the relationship between who we are and our relationship with God. Why is it important? Because if you have a look at the living word of God, the living word of God is the very substance of God. It is made up of the very material of God and it carries within it the divine energy or the divine power of God. John chapter one from verse one onward says, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. And it goes on a little bit later and it says, without him was nothing made that was made. What it's saying is the word is the very substance and it is the very divine energy of God. If you want to get into the things of God, if you want to have an encounter with the things of God, get hold of God's substance and his energy. When you get hold of substance and energy, things begin to happen. Why is it that we struggle so much with that? That's a good question. So that's one we're going to answer today. Glad you asked it. We were built, we were built to be able to metabolize God. I'll get into that a little bit later and I'll explain it. To metabolize means to take the things that are foreign to me and to be able to take them in and ingest them and so that they become a part of who I am and they become relevant to my being so that I'm able to live from the sustenance and the value that is inherently within that. God has created an ability and and created us so that as human beings, we are able to metabolize the things of God. He's given you a brain. Say, Lord, I'm happy I have a brain. Probably not as happy as everybody is around you that you have a brain. He gave you a brain. He's given you understanding. But he's also given you a heart. 
We talk a lot here about the heart, and I don't mean for it in any ways to compromise the significance or the contribution of of your understanding, because God uses both. The challenge with it is the journey with God goes through the understanding, and it moves us to a place where we move to to the living word. And you have to have both of those components. We have to have head and heart. The reason for it is with the head, with our reasoning, it brings us into a place where we're able to understand the things of God. But the heart brings us to a place where we're able to encounter the word. The challenge with it is too much of the body of Christ is stuck in understanding and not encountering. I want to speak to you about today about how you encounter God. I want to speak to you about how you can come to that place where you want to realize and you want to have an encounter with the word and with life. When you want to have an encounter with divine energy, if you want to have an encounter with God, that's what this morning is all about. God's given you understanding and he's given you a heart. Both of them are important and both of them play important roles in our ability to, you, to, to work coherently and, and closely with God. God's given you your understanding because with your understanding we get to a place where we're able to understand who he is. We gain a context of him. We move to a place where we begin to understand what he's all about. We understand his nature. We understand those things. But the thing is, the written word is designed for our understanding. And the written word is always designed to take us to a place that introduces us to the living word, which is the encounter. Let me give you an example. In what we're reading right now, God uses the analogy of the seed in talking about his word. If you have a seed, you can take the seed and God gives us the ability to understand the seed. So we can take it and we can look at it and we can see the size of it and we can see the color of it and we can see the shape of it. We can see the texture of it. We can see how it relates to avocado seeds versus, I don't know, apple seeds. And you even have the opportunity to dissect it, take it and cut it up and you can have a look and you can see what it is. It's giving you an understanding about what the seed is. So if anybody says to you, speak to me about the seed, you can be articulate and you can voice to them an understanding of what the seed is. But the problem with it is you never get to experience the life that's in the seed unless you plant it in the soil. That's the difficulty. Too many people have a look at the word and we're able to dissect it and look at it and talk about it and speak about how it relates to other things in our theology and our understanding because we stuck up here in our reasoning. The problem with it is unless we take the seed and we plant it in the soil, we never realize the life that's on the inside of it. The head is for the understanding. The heart is for the life. We've got to find a way so that we can take the things of the word and we're introduced to what they're all about. God has created a mechanism for us to be able to do that. The amazing thing about God is when he works with us is that he does everything and he's just looking for our participation. He's looking for us to come to a place where we recognize his contribution and we're able to surrender and work together with him in that. The Holy Spirit works with the living word of God to bring us to a place where we are persuaded of the truth that is in the word. 
This is stuff, if you need to get more reference and go back to where we were. The Holy Spirit has got a job to do. And the job that he's working is when we get the, the seed and we put the seed on the inside of us, the Holy Spirit works with that seed. And that the Holy Spirit takes the very life that's in the seed and uses that to begin to establish on the inside of us a confidence. The, the Greek word speaks about a persuasion of what the truth is that's on the inside of that word. When it speaks about the persuasion, what it's talking about is he's doing and creating something on the inside of us called faith. That's what we refer to as faith. Faith becomes so important to us and is so fundamental to our walk with God. The thing about faith is that it's not made up of substance that is discovered through our five senses. Our faith is made up of substance that is divine in nature. It is something that is made up of the word of God. It becomes important to us because it's talking about the substance of things that we hope for. These are things that are real. These are things that exist. They just haven't been experienced yet. What he's doing is he's creating within us an awareness, a confidence, a persuasion of the things that he's wanting to introduce to our life. And he's building up on the inside of us a persuasion of that. He's doing it, not you. Don't try and get excited about the word of God. Don't try and build yourself up. Don't try and have a raw, raw session and a motivational self-speech. It doesn't create faith. Faith is the substance of him. It's all about the Holy Spirit doing a work that's on the inside of you. Why? Why is it important? Because the very substance that's created on the inside of you becomes something which becomes a reality. The Bible speaks about it as being that which stands under. That which stands under. What it's saying is the Holy Spirit is creating a reality on the inside of us that stands under a new way of living. That supports a new way that God wants for us to live. And it's different from what we have out in the world. If you look at Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 3, it gives us an example of how it works because it speaks about the relationship that existed between Jesus and God the Father. The thing about it was God the Father is the eternal, invisible reality that Jesus was the visible expression of. God the Father established on the inside of Jesus was the living eternal reality that defined who Jesus was. That's why Jesus said, I only do the things I see the Father do. What was he saying? I'm going back to my reality. I'm going back to that which is established on the inside of me because that gives direction to my life. That gives me the opportunity to see how it is that I should be living. That creates on the inside of me the ability to do the things that I do. There is a reality established on the inside of me that takes me beyond the natural realm and what's happening here and introduces me to the way that the Father wants for me to live. Why is it important? Because there's something happening on the inside of you called Christ in me, the hope of glory. What he's saying is, it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. Why is that significant? Because he's talking to you about a new reality. 
This is not just some ethereal thing that wanders around somewhere. This is not concept about some weird concept about God. It's not something that we kind of have a look at and say, well, that could be quite nice. You know, it sounds really good and it's a good motivational thing, but how does it have significance or relevance to my life? This is a practical implication. What he's talking to you about when he says, it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. What he's saying to us is this, Christ is going to work together. The living word is going to work together with the Holy Spirit so that he can take the things that are of the substance of God and he's going to create a new reality on the inside of you, which becomes the substrata, which becomes the underpinning, the support of a new way of living, God's way of living, so that you can become the visible expression of the invisible reality inside of you. That's what faith is all about. Faith is about God introducing us and inviting us into a different way of living so that we can encounter and we can experience him. But faith happens in our heart, not in our head. Faith is important because faith becomes the mechanism that God uses to metabolize the things of God and to bring them into our life. What God does is he sits and says, you can't have access to who I am out there because I'm a God who's greater than all those things. I've got to find a way to be able to metabolize the greatness of who I am and bring it into a context where you're able to take that and digest it and so that it becomes significant and relevant to my life. And it's something that I'm able to digest and something that I'm able to live from. Faith is that thing. Faith takes the things of God and creates, creates an opportunity for us to know, understand, and have relationship both with God and his word. Faith is the bridge that makes it happen. So, since we know what God's wanting to do, the question is, how is he doing it? He's going to do it through his word. He's going to do it through his word. And he uses as an analogy seeds. What he's saying is my word is like a seed. So let's have a look at how he sees seed working in our lives. We touched on this last week. The value of a seed is not the seed itself but it's the life that's in the seed. It doesn't help to hold a seed in my hand, to talk about the seed, get excited about the fact that I have a seed and you don't. Seed doesn't mean anything until it's planted in the ground because it's only when it's planted in the ground that the life that's in the seed begins to manifest itself. God has given us the written word. The written word is important because the written word is our seed bin. Spend time in the seed bin. It's really, really good. Because what God's doing is he's sitting saying, I'm giving you something. What I'm doing is I'm giving you material that's going to lead you somewhere. I'm giving you something that if you'll take that and you will take that seed and you begin to do something and you begin to plant it in your understanding, it creates an opportunity for the Holy Spirit to begin to take you on a journey. Why? It's not that I have the word and I'm able to recite the word and understand the word that's important. But the word itself is an invitation to take the seed and get that seed planted on the inside of me. Because when it's planted on the inside of me, life happens. 
That's what I'm looking for. I want life to take place in who I am. God is going to plant the written word in our hearts so that the living word can manifest itself. You see, we want to read about the love of God and we want to understand the love of God. And we have a context for the fact that God so loved us that he gave his only begotten son. We have a context for the fact that God loves us no matter what. We have a context for the fact that God's nature is love. We have a context for all of these things. But I only really encounter the love of God when it moves from my understanding to my heart. I need for love to make a meaningful impact in my life so that that love comes in and it heals the things that are on the inside of me. It heals my inner life in ways that I'm not able to do. And it's, about, and it's able to bring about transformation and change on the inside of me that leaves me in a place that I'm changed. And all of a sudden I'm able to sit and say, I understand the love of God, but I've experienced it as well. I know the seed, but I've got the life. I I understand what's going on, but I know it because it's touched the inside of who I am. God created us with this heart full of dirt. Tell your neighbor, I've got a heart full of dirt. He built you with a heart full of dirt. He built you with a heart that was designed to accept seed. The most important part of who you are in your innermost being is your heart. And that's why God gives us the, the, the admonition and he says, guard it. Because it's so sacred. Because it can be populated with seed. And any seed that falls in there is going to grow and create fruit. Be careful with it because it's a sacred place that was designed for only you and him to enjoy. That was the place where we get, where we allow him to take the seed of who he is and plant it in our life. Because that's where life of who he is begins to germinate and begins to grow. It becomes significant because we begin to realize that God's ways are not my ways. We think that our future is determined by my environment and what happens and who's elected and how my education went and where my upbringing was. And I start to think about my, my future in terms of what the political landscape looks like and how this is happening and, and what my spouse is and how they're treating me. And I'm looking at all of those things. And God's sitting saying, your future's not outside of you. Your future is inside of you. Say, my future's in the dirt. My future's in the dirt. What are you putting into the dirt that constitutes the very heart of who you are? God's sitting saying, I want to be the one that defines who you are. Because when I get together with the Holy Spirit and I allow the seed of life to begin to germinate on the inside of me, it establishes on the inside of me something which supports a whole new way of living. And it sits and says, you know what? When you live from this place as opposed to that place outside of you, you become the catalyst to bring about change and transformation. Your future looks like what's inside you, not what's outside you. The devil wants to take your eyes off of what's in your heart and put it on your environment. Get together with God and stay in the dirt. 
I like to live in the dirt. God has got his job, and we have ours. God's job is the seed. Our job is the dirt. It becomes important because we begin to realize that the results that we get are not dependent on the seed, but the dirt. The results we get are not dependent on the seed, but the dirt. I can take the seed and I can put it into rocky soil and thorny soil and wayside soil and good soil and all of them are going to deliver a different result. Same seed. The seed didn't change. The seed is the same, but the dirt changed. And so we begin to realize, okay, I'm beginning to understand in the context of how I deal with God, don't touch the things of God. I don't have to make the seed happen. The Holy Spirit will do that. I've got to check the dirt. The dirt is my responsibility. Because if I create good dirt, I'll have good fruit. It begins to illuminate to us and give us an understanding as to why the word seems to work for some people and not others. We all heard the word, but some bore fruit because they encountered the life. But others lived in a place where they didn't. Say, I'm so happy that I'm good dirt. It's so good preaching to a room full of good dirt. (laughs) If you have a look at this same parable, which is, um, it's in Mark 4 and Luke 8. So I'm going to jump between those two. But um, I want to... In the context of this, God, Jesus begins to speak about the importance of parables and why he uses parables and they're important. And I want to use a reference for that coming out of um, the Passion. So if you don't have the Passion, just, just listen, I'll read it to you. It says, Then the disciples approached Jesus and they asked, Why do you always speak to people in these hard-to-understand parables? And he explained, you've been given the intimate experience of insight into the hidden truths and mysteries of the realm of heaven's kingdom, but they have not. What he was saying was this. There's a difference between the written word and the living word. The thing with it is this. You understand the living word because you're spending time with the living word. So what ends up happening is the very life that's alive and on the inside of you is what I'm trying to create in them. The mysteries of the kingdom is understanding the nature of God and the ways of God. It's taking the very substance of who he is and letting it become metabolically a part of who I am. What he's saying is you get it. The problem that I have is I don't want to give them a recipe. I don't want to give them a formula. I'm not trying to introduce them as to how they should live like I am. I'm trying to give them a story. I'm trying to give them something that surpasses their understanding and makes them realize that ultimately the value that they're looking for is going to be discovered not in the seed but in the life. For everyone who listens with an open heart will receive progressively more revelation until he has more than enough. But those who don't listen with an open teachable heart, even the understanding that they have will be taken from them. 
if we don't value the living word, we always run a risk of it not growing to maturity. That's why I teach the people using parables, because they think they're looking for truth, yet because their hearts are unteachable, they never discover it. They're so busy, obsessed with the written word that they've never discovered the living word. What he was saying is, here I am in front of them, and they don't get it. Although they will listen to me, they never fully perceive the message I speak. The prophecy of Isaiah describes them perfectly. Although they listen carefully to everything I speak, they do not understand. They do not understand. Understanding there is the word, is the Greek phrase put together. And what it means is this. They don't put together the written word with the living word. So what happens is they don't have complete understanding of things. They have an understanding of who God is and they have a very superficial view of of what it's all about. But they've never been able to put together the written word with the living word and have an encounter with that, which means that they have the full expression and understanding of what it's all about. They look and pretend to see, but but the eyes of their hearts are closed. The eyes of their hearts are closed. Good grief, where does the time go? Okay, just, just give me a few minutes. If you've got to go, I understand. Um, so he begins to, that's the context. Understand what he's talking about when he spoke about the seed. He's speaking about the seed of the kingdom. He's talking about things that are supposed to be consequential to people who have a relationship with God. Okay, He's talking about ultimately establishing on the inside of us something that's able to metabolize the things of God. Build into us faith, something that the Holy Spirit does. That's his objective. That's his goal. Okay, So let's keep that in mind. So where we're going is the first thing he says, the reason that it's hard to do is because some people I'm dealing with are wayside soil. Wayside soil is this. In, back in those days, everybody used to, well, people who were farmers had an area that they used to plant. And the main area used to be planted. And all the way around the edge were the walkways where people used to walk. So they didn't walk over your lovely, fresh, growing corn or whatever was growing up there. And so that was called the wayside. Nobody intentionally put seed on the wayside because they knew it's not supposed to grow there. What it speaks about is It speaks about those things that have value. Value. You see, the seed that I plant in this main area here, I value. And so I take good care of it. But the things that are on the periphery, on the wayside, are not necessarily things that I value. There are many people who value the written word but they do not have an understanding, an appreciation, or a love for the living word. What ends up happening is, I'm filling where I am with written word, not living word. It's what we constitute and what we would term people who are religious. What ends up happening is, there are people who move to a place where they don't really have an appreciation and they don't have a grid for the concept of grace. You see, grace is all about everything that God has provided and how we're able to accept everything that he's given to us and how we're able to walk in it. It has nothing to do with me. It has everything to do with Christ and what he's done. 
So the problem with it is if I don't appreciate grace, what it means is I am intrigued and I fall in love with the idea of looking like Christ. So when I try to look like Christ, I work really hard to look like him. I try and understand the word. I try and do the word. And what I do is I end up looking like somebody who's very religious, looking like even somebody who's potentially quite spiritual. The problem with it is I don't have any life on the inside of me. I don't have any life on the inside of me. What he's sitting saying is, I don't want to take my seed and just let it end up on the wayside. I want for you to understand that there is more to life and there's more to the Christian experience than having an understanding of it. We have too many churches who are filled with understanding, but we don't have any engagement with the living word. The problem with it is, if we have that, what ends up happening is we have people who are introduced to form and not life. It's all about application as opposed to surrender. What ends up happening? I never am able to really walk into the things of God because I don't have anything that's happening in my heart. I've extolled my head and I'm very happy with the understanding that I'm getting here. But the problem with it is it doesn't take me on a journey that touches the most fundamental part of who I am and creates opportunity for me to engage and have an encounter with God. One of the best examples of this is Jesus. When Jesus walked walked the earth, what ended up happening? The people who were most opposed to him were the people who were in love with the written word. The people who were in love with the written word didn't understand that the written word was there to extend an invitation and an introduction to the living word who happened to be right in front of them. And what ended up happening is even though Jesus did miracles, even though he raised the dead, even though he turned water into wine, even though he did all of these things, even though he spoke in ways that they were baffled and blown away by his insight and his revelation, the fact of the matter is those people who fell in love with the written word crucified the living word. We can fall in love with the written word and get so caught up in our understanding and our theology and our concepts and our ideas that we crucify the living word. And I have no life on the inside of me. The reason that the seed becomes vulnerable it speaks about the, the seed being vulnerable and so the birds come and they take it. The reason that the, the seed is vulnerable is because I don't have a value for the living word. It becomes important because it says that the birds or the thief comes and steals away the word before I believe and am saved. Romans 10.10 10, With the heart man believes unto righteousness. With the mouth confession is made unto salvation. With the heart, man believes. What Satan is doing is he's doing everything in his power, preventing you to get to the place where God fulfills what he's wanting to do on the inside of us. Because when we get to the place where we're able to, ex- to live off of the foundation that he's established on the inside of us, and we let that out of our mouth, that's when things begin to happen. So we don't want to be wayside soil. Say, thank you, Jesus, I'm not wayside soil. But then he goes on and he speaks about people who are stony soil. And these are people who get very excited when they hear the word of God. And what ends up happening is it begins to take root in their lives. The issue that we have here is that there's a lack of maturity that takes place. 
The Bible speaks about the fact that just like in the natural, seed has to grow. First the blade, then the ear, then the full ear and the corn. But in order for that to take place, it's important for us that we maintain a relationship with God. The challenge that we have, if we, let me read to you first. If you have a look at Ephesians chapter 3 verse 17. It says that Christ may dwell in your heart through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and length and depth and height, to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge, that you may be filled with the fullness of God. God is looking for us to be rooted and grounded. Why am I struggling to be rooted and grounded? Because I live in a natural world, and the natural world that I've grown up in has said to me, you know what, if you want to be successful, you need to be educated. And if you want to be successful, you need to take on the talents that you have, and you need to grow them up. And if you want to be successful, you need to know how to navigate life. So what's ended up happening is... I've taken my understanding and I've established my understanding and it's moved me to a place where I am functionally excelling. The problem with it is, is that in the way that I am able to understand things, I do really well. But when it comes to relationship, I have no understanding. I understand, but I've never developed the other side to me. You see it so often in men. Men are, we we just don't always grow up with that. We're not the touchy-feely type. So what happens? You know, I'm good at things. I'm good at decisions. I'm good at dealing with stuff. I'm good, good at handling things. Give me a task. Give me something. I'll be productive. I'll make this happen. And those are not bad things. I'm not taking away from that in any way. Excel, excel, excel. Keep going, but keep balanced. Why is it important? Because the problem with it is faith comes by hearing. Hearing is the word which says it comes by having audience with. Audience with. We've got to have audience with him. Audience with him is sitting saying, I'm inviting you into relationship. The problem with it is if we can't do relationship well in the natural context, you'll never be able to do it well in a spiritual context. My problem is that I'm doing really well in terms of my ability to, to understand and grasp, grasp, grasp stuff. I'm functionally proficient, but I'm relationally stuck in a deficit. It's a challenge for me because so much of what relates to the very living word relates to that stuff. Prayer. To have audience with. Prayer. Prayer is coming together with God. Not sitting five minutes before I pray and telling him what I want in the morning. It's that place of intimacy where him and I come together. And I share with him and he shares with me. And I make myself vulnerable to him. And he takes who he is and begins to illuminate and introduce life to me. Worship. Worship is completely immersed in relationship. Hearing the voice of God, being able to have ongoing communication with him. It's about relationship. The problem with it is, unless I have those things developed on the inside of me, I end up as rocky ground. So what ends up, I get the word, and I'm really excited about the word, and I try to get it going, but something happens, and what ends up happening is I trip, not over the fact that I don't, that I'm, I'm tripping over my root, I'm tripping over the fact that I have no root. Because it's not established. 
Establishment comes through relationship and spending time with him. So it makes us realize the, the importance and the need, the significance of developing relationship because it's that place of intimacy. That's a place where I get to know so much of those other things. Finally, thorny ground. Thorny ground. It speaks about those who hear the word and yet the cares of other things entering in and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word. The cares of other things is exactly that. It's cares. It's worries. That's the deep Greek word. Care is care. (laughs) It's the worries coming in. It's allowing, it's being at that place where I leave the door to my heart open. And so I'm not careful about what I let into my heart. I think that's the easy one. I want to speak a little bit more about the deceitfulness of riches. Because at a superficial level, everybody sits and goes, I told you it's rich people. (laughs) But it really doesn't have to do with rich people. You see, deceitful is uh, the, the original Greek word speaks about creating a false impression. And when it's speaking about riches, it's speaking about treasures. Treasures is not material stuff necessarily. It's not money necessarily. It's those things that you value. It's those things that you value. The things that we value and the things that we treasure are the things that create a false sense of security for us. Let me give you an example. There are a lot of people, and one of the biggest issues that we face in this day and age is people who don't have a true understanding and an appreciation for the concept of love. They believe that love is all about inclusivity. Love is all about embracing everybody and everyone and every idea around you because if you don't embrace it, then you are not loving. Well, what's interesting about that concept is this. If we take that, we're building and allowing the seed of a thorn to grow up in my heart. Because you see, the thing about it is, Jesus doesn't stand for that. The interesting thing about Jesus is, there were a number of people who came to him, and they left offended. In the Bible! From Jesus! They left offended. There was one time where everybody left him. And the only people left were the disciples. And the only reason that they stayed around is that they had nowhere to go. Otherwise, they would have gone as well. Why? Because the thing about it is Jesus is love. But this other side to the coin of love is truth. He didn't say, I have truth. He said, I am truth. The thing with it is when you love somebody, you love them too much to leave them where they are. And the thing about it is when you're beginning to define who you are and how you live outside of truth, you're putting yourself on a bad trajectory. And it may not be right today, but the thing is in the next while, you're going to come to the reality of the choices that we've made. You see, the problem with it is, is when we begin to fall in love with concepts of truth that are outside of God's design, what ends up happening is we give it access and we give it permission to seed our heart. Yeah. 
And so all of a sudden what ends up happening is I have a concept of love that's all about inclusivity. And then I'm confused as a Christian. Because what's happening is I'm trying to find my way, but I think that if in order to be loving, I have to embrace everyone and everything and every ideology. And God's at the other side sitting saying, well, I stand for truth. And I'm sitting in this place ambivalent. What ends up happening? All too often people go with what they believe as opposed to what truth represents. It chokes out the word. You hear it from people all the time. How many times have you spoken to people and they sit and say, well, I don't believe that. What are they just sitting saying? The thorns are talking. The thorns have got a voice. I'm telling you, anytime somebody says something that is against truth, it's the thorn speaking. It's important because it, 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 when, we, when we begin to understand and we recognize what God is wanting to do in our lives, we understand that he's always taking us to a place that is to our best advantage. And he knows that to be grounded and rooted in love is to be grounded and rooted in truth. That's the whole concept behind righteousness. What he's saying is, you might have a way of doing it right now, and I understand that you appreciate that and you may think that that's right. But the invitation that I'm extending to you is to move your place outside of where you are into something called righteousness. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Why? Because I can't come into your life and I can't establish a new foundation on your life because you don't, you won't grab a hold of the truth that I'm trying to impart there. Every time I'm trying to plant the word and every time I'm trying to get life to grow, it's growing up at the very thing. next thing I know, there are weeds all around us that are choking it. We have to be so careful. I think one of the most interesting things for me over the last while is to have a look at how many people are more motivated by their political persuasions as opposed to truth. That's so interesting for me. And these are born again believers. Why? Because the weeds don't only have a voice, but they have influence. And the next thing you know, well, I'm not doing this anymore. Who's speaking? It's not truth. It's the weeds. Always stay at a place where we defer to truth in defining our life. God is so committed to a relationship with you and to meeting with you that he's given you everything that you need to encounter that. He's given you the written word. He's given you the Holy Spirit. He's given you Christ on the inside of you. And he's given you access to the living word. Everything that we need is there. What he's saying to us is this. Let's move to the place where we can kind of work together cohesively, you and me. What I want to do is this. Let's have a little look at the soil in your life. I need for you to understand and have an appreciation and value for the fact that the written word is there and it is a good thing because it will give you a grid for who I am. But understand the written word is nothing more than a direction and a signage post to lead you to the written word. Don't fall in love with the written word at the expense of the living word. Get the understanding, but always maintain a hunger for the deeper things of God. If we don't hunger for encounter, we'll live with understanding. Invest in relationship. Because it is more consequential 
then perhaps we realize. Relationship and the ability to be able to collect, connect at a meaningful level creates fertile soil for the Holy Spirit to be able to come in and to be able to commune with us. If we're not able to engage in relationship, what ends up happening is we create really difficult soil for him to take the word that's planted in there and bring it to maturity. And it always remains vulnerable. Watch the weeds. Guard your heart. Always remain teachable. I promise you, somewhere along the line, you're going to get shocked. You are. Everybody's been shocked. If you haven't been shocked, it's coming. Because we really think there's something. And we really believe something. But always stay open to the influence of the Holy Spirit. Because you know what? If you don't, please don't let social media influence you. I promise social media is not truth. Okay? Don't let, don't let other things influence you. Go to the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is truth. But the Holy Spirit may bring you to a place where he begins to reveal certain things to you. And he says, you know what? That's not a good place to keep yourself entrenched. That's not a healthy place to be. Because you know what? You're growing a whole bunch of weeds there. And when I try and do something in your life, you're just going to choke it. Be open and be at a place where you are prepared to repent. You know what repentance means? Repentance means to turn around from. Throw the weeds out. I'm heading in this direction. The soil is our responsibility. If you ever encounter a fence, you can either run or you can ask why. Take the latter. The mature way to do it is if I'm offended by something, particularly if it's just an idea or a thought, why am I offended? What has it touched on the inside of me that's got such a response? Explore it with the Holy Spirit and just see where it leads. It's heart encounters that bring us to a place when we realize that it's not about me, but it's about him. I'm not trying to look like Christ. I'm getting to the place where I allow him to live through me. Father, I want to thank you for hearts that are full of dirt today. I want to thank you, Father, for hearts that are rich in nutrients. Holy Spirit, we take we take responsibility for checking the soil of our heart. And we take it seriously. Because our desire is to move into a place of not only understanding you, but encountering you. I want to thank you for the life that's in the seed. And I want to thank you that as we get that planted inside of who we are, it sets up a reality inside of us that invites us to encounter you. 
I thank you for people who become the visible representation of your invisible reality.